Better Podcast with Infinity Real Estate Services. True stories from Bakersfield's business owners and entrepreneurs. We have sold over 50,000 homes in the Kern County area and we are still going. Delete your limiting beliefs. If you have a dream, turn it into a goal. Only massive, inspired action will get you to where you want to be. If you're starting a business or looking to grow one, you're in the right spot. Welcome to the Be Better Experience. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Be Better podcast brought to you by Infinity Real Estate Services. I am your host, Summer Webb, and the Be Better podcast isn't just about being better in real estate. It's about being better in general. So I have a very, very special guest today. He is a local business owner, a father, lead singer of a local band called The Filthies. He's a member of the Elks Lodge, Rotary North, and he's also a Navy veteran. In addition to all of those things, he's my boyfriend, Kenny Mount. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely, thank you for having me. So obviously I know all about you. However, our audience doesn't. Mm -hmm. So let's just jump right into it. Start with the basics and kind of see where it takes us. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Where are you from? Right here, Bakersfield, California. And have you ever lived anywhere besides Bakersfield? Uh, yeah, I've lived kind of a few places, but for most of my life, I've just been here in Bakersfield. So you went to school in Bakersfield? Yeah, Bakersfield High, uh, BC. Okay. Yeah. And then um, tell me a little bit about your personal life. When did you get married, children, things like that? Yeah, um, I, well, I got married, um, uh, my wife, about 25 years ago. Um, we had three kids. Uh, unfortunately she passed away year and year and what, nine months ago or so. And, um, yeah, but raised kids, um, St. Francis were St. Francis family. So they spent most of their life there. Everything kind of revolved around the church. You have like that. all girls, three girls and their ages, uh, 26, 24 and 19. Yeah. Three amazing girls, by yeah. the way. So, um, you got married and you also, I know that obviously you're a Navy veteran. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about, yeah. uh, married, joined service. the, um, Navy. I started off in the reserves. Uh, my duty station was Lemoore. Um, went up there a couple years, became a corpsman and, um, mm, that was about it for the Navy. Okay. Real short. And then, so you currently are, uh, Part owner at Mission Family Mortuary. I am. I'm the junior partner at Mission Family. However, I don't think you went from corpsman to business owner in the... How'd you get into the mortuary business? No, yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, the when um, the wife and I had a first daughter, Keely, we, um, I was working a few jobs trying to pay the bills ex- expensive, and then she was a stay-at-home mom, so... Um, one of the jobs someone had told me about was working at a cemetery, a local cemetery here in town. And they said, you need to work one job to make what you're making at the three because you can't keep working like you're working. You're doing too much. Yeah, it was a lot. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I ended up as a cemetery pre-need salesman. I was selling cemetery property and caskets. It was, it was awful. It sounds not like, like it. glamorous work. Yeah, yeah. So um, that lasted a couple months. It wasn't for me, and um, 
I said, you know what, I can't do this. I don't like it. I'm leaving. And the general manager of the area cluster, he said, hey, you know what? I think you'll be better on the mortuary side. You're probably more fit to work with grieving families than you are in sales. And I said, I completely agree. So <laughs> so you were coming from a place of contribution and not like a salesy place. You felt like you were helping people and not just trying to take their money. Yeah, exactly. And that suited me better. I just, I was not a good, good at selling stuff. I wasn't, that was not my niche. So, so, um, you, how does one go from being in the mortuary and business to being the lead singer of a local band? That just kind of happened along as, um, I've always played in bands and music and drums and guitar, but, um, we had, a this brainstorm idea that we were going to be the next big punk rock green day band. So yeah, we started a little band called the filthies and it kind of got out of hand and pretty soon we're playing every weekend and then we're touring and then we're, you know, you guys actually did a tour in Ireland at one point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. Like for yeah. you to do something internationally, you guys, you were off to a really, really good start. Yeah, we did. It was called the To Hell or Home Tour, and we did nine shows in Ireland, two weeks of just playing constantly. Yeah, Madness. We were on the radio in Dublin. It was it was nuts. And you guys were on the radio locally on Crab Radio, because I can remember they had something called Filthy Fridays, and they would play your songs all Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. They'd play us um, all the time. And then we got picked up by some LA radio stations in Las Vegas. Most of the major cities started rotating us in. And we started selling records. Yeah. So you already had a wife and three children yeah. and you're on tour in another country. That has to be chaotic. I did it all backwards, I think. Yeah, just started with the band before the family. But Live and learn. I didn't like touring. And, um, I think that when we came back, I was like, mm, it's not for me. So. That's a, that's a long time to be away from, and that's a long ways to be away from your family. Yeah. I didn't like it. So we, we cut it down we started tapering back and I started focusing more on, on work and family, which is better anyway. So, but I really, I really love playing music too. You still play. I do. Yeah. And you guys still practice. We do right in that living room. You have <laughs> to listen to it. <laughs> it's great. Actually. I love mm -hmm. it. So, um, tell me a little bit about Mission Family Mortuary and your position there. Yeah. So, um, Mission Family, we opened in December of 2003. We're coming up on our 20 year anniversary. Happy yeah. birthday. Um, Ray Mish, David Mish and myself, um, opened it. Um, Ray, Ray had other funeral homes that he had opened in the prior years and he, um, he was just kind of on as a consultant with Mish and, um, he wanted to open another funeral home. And, uh, so we did, yeah. Opened up on California Avenue and, um, and we've been doing our thing ever since. Yeah. So, um, I know, so my father passed away in 2014 and I, he didn't have anything pre-planned. He and I had had a conversation, so I had an idea of what he wanted. Mm -hmm. However, um, I didn't even know that it was possible. Like I can go in and pre-plan my funeral so that when I do pass away, inevitably we all are going to, um, my daughter can spend that time grieving me instead of making decisions, final decisions for me, because it's, it's all written down in a book. All she has to do is walk in, hand this to you and you're going to take care of everything that's in that book. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. Um, 
we see people come in that have pre-planned versus like yourself who you didn't, I mean, you were, you lost your dad. You're just like, I don't know, what am I doing? And it's we, a lot of decisions. And then it creates uh, chaos in between the family. My sister and I argued over stupid stuff. Right. And we should have been embracing each other and loving each other through that time instead of arguing over what urn we were going to put our father's remains in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We see it a lot too. Um, not so much when we have, uh, families that will, you know, mom and dad will pre-plan everything. It's already done. They don't have to, they don't have to worry about that. anymore. kind of takes that argument out of things. There's no like, argument. Yeah. Yeah. It's right here in black and white. And especially when um, families do a, you know, like a living trust and they have powers of attorneys and medical in place for uh, making medical decisions and then a pre-plan at your funeral home. You're, you're done. You can just go live your life and don't worry about anything. Go skydiving. I, maybe not. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up living trust because yeah. um, how you hold title to your property affects you when you pass away. If you are holding your property as your sole and separate possession and only you are on title, when you pass away, you're going to have to go into something called probate, which can be very lengthy and very expensive. However, if you take the time to go put your property and any of your assets into a trust, when you pass away, you can choose, you know, your oldest child or your favorite child or whatever <laughs> to be the executor of that trust. And then when they decide to sell your property or any of your assets, that money goes back into that trust and they're not, uh, they're not hassled with probate and they're also not hassled with inherent tax. So yeah, that's very, very important how you hold title. And I don't think a lot of people even think about that until it's too late. Right. They start thinking about it when they hit their, you know, seventies and eighties, which and, is probably when people start thinking about their own mortality. But right. Right. Can you tell me what's an advantage of me coming in at 41 years old mm -hmm. and planning my funeral? So say I come in and I plan my funeral and I pay for everything. Mm hmm hopefully I live 20, 40 more years. Right. right. So what happens then? Because I know the price of, of anything is not the same as it was 20, 40 years ago. So, right. So who pays that difference? So when you come in and, and plan your funeral, um, and you fund it in advance, the, that money's, the monies you spend go into, um, like an insurance. And then it's almost like a, uh, the company I use is called homesteaders. Okay. And, um, it's a mutual company. So they have investors and they'll invest that money and it grows, um, like an annuity. Um, it doesn't have any cash value. It's only for your funeral. So it doesn't count against you as an asset. Right? Oh, that's nice. So, so when people get on social security, that's a huge problem. Cause I know my dad had to get rid of a lot of things cause he wasn't allowed to have yes. that much and still collect his benefits. We get that all the time. People come in and say, Hey, my mom has too much money in her bank account and we, we're thinking about paying for a funeral and I'll say, yeah, we're going to make it irrevocable. It won't be an asset and you don't have to just get rid of the funds. You're using it for something. So that's great information. But, um, someone who's young when they come in and plan and they fund it, um, it's going to freeze your costs for your funeral. So you know how, you know how, when you, you hear about a boomer that's bought their house for a nickel back in 1940, yeah. well, you're selling it for right? a million and now it's 400,000 million. <laughs> yeah. Um, funerals are that way too. We'll, we'll see someone come in with, um, say Hillcrest Memorial Park. That's, um, on the higher end of, uh, price and they'll come in 
think you're the, referring to the plot yeah, when you say hyperbole. Yeah, okay. so that's their cemetery property, and say they bought it back in 1969. So it's and, like all property, it appreciates, I yep. imagine. <laughs> well, I'll look at this policy and say, oh, they paid $250 for a plot. Well, now it's $8,000 for a plot. So when you fund your funeral and you pay now and you live for another 30, 35, 40 years, yeah, it's going to be, that's a big savings for your family later. And it, it's a lot of money now, but like inflation, it, a lot of money now is going to be a ton of money later. I have conversations on a daily basis with people that say, I wish I would have sold my house two years ago. Mm -hmm. And in two years from now, it's going to be the same thing because that's what property does. It appreciates and like it or not, you're buying a little piece of property to live in for eternity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but the benefits of making all the decisions and taking that off of your, off your kids and family, that's, that's huge for me that that's the biggest benefit because I had to walk through it and make all those decisions. And it's hard. It's, mm -hmm. it's really hard. And emotionally you're not in the right state of mind. I mm -hmm. think it would be very easy to be taken advantage of in that state of mind. It so yeah. if you have all these things in place, you don't have, there's just one, one more peace of mind that you have. Right. And I know you and I talk about this a lot. Um, when families do come in and pre-plan, I always tell them, okay, now you've planned your funeral. It's funded. Um, now go see, uh, go see your family attorney and get everything in a trust, trust. a living trust. And uh, I always ask him how much real property, how much estate do you have? And they'll say, Oh, we have a lot. You need to put all that into a plan. So it's really important that people do that. Absolutely. I don't, I don't want the state having any say so over my final decisions. <laughs> yeah. We, we see it a lot. We'll see, uh, Oh my, I don't know what to do with the house. Um, they didn't leave a will. And I'm thinking, oh man, you've got some probate you're going to be going through. It, it can take a lot of time. I'm working with a client right now that's been going through the process for over a year and we're nowhere near the finish line. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, you're kind of becoming like a probate specialist. So. I, I don't know if I'm a specialist yeah. in it, but I, I am very educated in it because walking through it, it, especially families that have never walked through it. And most people don't like, have you ever put a house through probate? No. And I'm willing to bet the majority of our audience has never put a house through probate either. No. And a uh, probate attorney is much more costly than a trust attorney. I promise you that. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening and, you know, they, they're thinking about, you know, getting their funeral in place and making the plans themselves and kind of removing that burden from their family, mm -hmm. uh, what do they need to do? What's the next step? How, sh how can they do that, Kenny? Um, you know, without any pressure, you can call call your funeral home. Call uh, call us and come in and sit down. I get... Uh, so you brought something? What yeah, is this? Just a planning guide. So um, it's just a big book filled with your final wishes. Um, you can write everything down, all of your personal information, stuff like um, your Facebook accounts, bank accounts, any hidden insurances, things like that in the back. Anything anyone should know about in the, in the event of your passing. Yeah. Basically. It's like a, it's like a legend to someone's life. You know, it's the legend to their map. A blueprint to your life. A blueprint. But yeah, come pick one of these up. And um, how much does that cost? These, we, we give these out to folks, to the folks. So I can come by and get one yeah. without committing to paying for anything. I could just have it for peace of mind if I want to just put it in my safe. Right. We, we encourage people to come, come see us, sit down, tell us what you're wanting. We can kind of show you what we offer, what's available, um, give you some pricing, and then you just take that information, information with you. And, um, 
Hopefully talk to your family. That's the main thing is talking to your family about when you're doing it too. And, um, and if it sounds right for you, then you come back in, make an appointment and then we finalize it and fund it and do all the stuff we need to do to make it, uh, make it permanent. That policy, once it's, once you pay for it, it's, it just kind of sits there. What if I move? Like, what if I come in tomorrow and I do all this with mm-hmm. you, but then I move to Texas? So obviously I'm not I'm probably going to want my final resting place to be in Texas then. Right. Then what happens with my policy? Um, if you move, you can take that policy and use it at, an, at another funeral home in another oh, okay. place. Yeah, you just find a local funeral home and you tell them, hey, I have a policy through, you know, say homesteaders. And this is it. And they'll say, oh, yeah, we'll be your funeral home. So they're at the assigned funeral home. So it's transferable to it other is. places. You don't and that's the nice thing about these policies is you can transfer them all over. Uh, funeral homes used to have trusts, but those are taxable. And if the funeral home closes... Yeah, if you go to business. <laughs> they, yeah, back in the 40s and 50s, they used to just take your money. It was nuts. And it's not like that now. Now everything is handled really well and it's it's sort like of a, like an escrow account for your death for funeral i, I tell people <laughs> that they say where's my money going i say to funeral escrow <laughs> and that then um, they're gonna divvy everything out when you pass so well i think i have one let me see let me check my notes because mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure i had a couple more questions before I, you take off that's funny you said texas because i had a lady that transferred her policy she wrote it through me moved to texas then um moved back to California and I just was, remember we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about people moving away and coming back because California is so awesome, especially Bakersfield. Okay. Yeah. And, so, uh, mind I, reader, oh. you're going to ruin my last question. Oh, Stop I'm sorry. Talking. No, she said, um, <laughs> I said, why'd you, why'd you come back? Why are you bringing your policy back? I don't like Texas. I said, so you're moving back? Yeah. I don't want to move anywhere again. I'm staying in California. Everything's too big in Texas. Yeah. So my last question for you was going to be, now I feel like I should ask you a different one, but, um, so if money isn't an issue, Mm -hmm. right, you're unlimited funds, you can go anywhere, do anything you want. Mm -hmm. Would you still live in Bakersfield? Yeah, absolutely. What? Why? It's Bakersfield. It's the best place in the world. It's two hours from everything. Centrally located. Especially where we're at. It's two hours to LA. It's two hours to the beach. Two hours to giant redwoods, um, a little longer to Vegas. Two hours to ride your motorcycles in the desert. Two hours. Oh, it's um, twenty minutes to see a drag race. It's like everything is around us. Everything you could ever want everything. to do is here. And then we live in a tiny town that's big. It it truly is. A million people in Kern County, right? And most of them are in Bakersfield. So if you, I don't know what the population is now. I think it's like what three fifty. Uh, and I think it's a little higher than that now. Is it? Mm-hmm. Like 400? We're highly populated. <laughs> you count the outlining counties, like like Rosedale, where we're at? I think that's considered Bakersfield. Well, it's not in the city, so they don't count it as a... It's not part of the population. Nope. So we're at like 700,000 if you count in the little. And that's that's a big city. And but, then we have Delano, Arvin, all these other little... McFarland, all these other little nuggets all around us, uh-huh. too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, no, there's too much opportunity here in... It's the greatest place in the world, Bakersfield. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just what I think. Yeah. It's very rare that I hear that, actually, that Bakersfield is the best place in yeah. the world. I believe that it is, too. Yeah. Well, but when we go I, somewhere... I think we're partial. When, when we go somewhere, what do we... Everyone says hi, and they know us. It's kind of nice. 
It's true. It's all of our friends all everywhere. I'm like, hi. <laughs> Very true. Well, I think that's that's about it for yeah. this episode of the Be Better podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and being my guest. And if you are, you know, if you're going to die one day, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you have infinite life and you're going to live forever, but I highly recommend going to Mission Family Mortuary, having a brief conversation with Kenny or Jeff or David or anybody there. They're all yeah. very, very great. And they're all there to help you. Um, I'm kind of partial to this one. So, <laughs> um, take some time out of your day and take some pressure off of your family. And even if you don't, want to pay for it right now, at least put it on paper so that those decisions are easier for your loved ones to make in the event of your passing. Uh, do you have any questions for me before we go? No, oh, uh, I hate asking that question. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. Have you ever been to New Orleans? I'm actually going, <laughs> going for my first time in two days. Oh. Is it two days? Two, uh, one day we're going to New Orleans. One day. Two more sleeps. Two more sleeps. Two yeah. more sleeps, mm -hmm. and then we're going to Nylons. So, so and my question wait, is... Wait, what's tomorrow? Tomorrow's my birthday. Uh, happy birthday tomorrow. I think we'll find some listings over there for you to sell in New Orleans. In Nylons? Yeah. I'm not licensed over there, oh. but uh, I would love to do some referral things with other agents. <laughs> <laughs> so for all you New Orleans agents, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's it. That's all okay. the time we have for today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. So yeah, much. absolutely. Thanks for thinking of Thank me. Thank you for tuning me. in and um, go out there and be your best self today. Bye.